Oh my goodness, this is so exciting <laughs> to see all of the faces. I sometimes see the names, um, but not the faces. And this is uh, very enriching. Sorry, I'm trying to get my screen set up. Page after page, a beautiful face comes up. <clears throat> Uh, and you can see that I'm in a, a bit of a different space uh, today than you might have ordinarily seen me in. This is my um, the, the little uh, cabin that I've been blessed to um, enjoy during our retreat last week. Uh, since we have um, a guest in our home that is in my uh, usual space. Um, so I'm at the retreat center, the Hui Hualana the Living Sanctuary, where uh, I've taught for the last 20, 22 years in the middle of um, a beautiful restored natural landscape, so it's, it's quite nice. So I'm thrilled to, to see your faces. Um, let's <clears throat> enjoy our um, sitting time. Others may be uh, joining us as we do. So we will begin now with the bell.
And if you would join me for the verse of the robe. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching. I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching. I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching. I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Goodness, I really get the feeling of the vastness when I can see so many faces and so many names, page after page, scroll through and just look at all of the beautiful faces from all over the world, really. All these people that I've known and practiced with and continued to love and connect with. And it's, it's really quite an inspiring uh, and humbling, humbling, very humbling, <laughs> um, that these 80 people have shown up in this way. And I hope that it was okay uh, that I did not mute my uh, microphones uh, so that you could hear the birds in the background. Could you hear them, some of you? The birds were lovely, uh, so I thought I would just let them continue to teach while we were sitting. We were able to do that one day during the retreat, and it was uh, it seemed it seemed to be a worthwhile activity. <clears throat> I think maybe one of the reasons why it's so um, touching today, uh, in addition to seeing everyone, is to be returning. Um, since I haven't offered um, offered myself in this way for the last couple of weeks, although I've been involved in um, the intensive. Um, so it's it's lovely to to be back and and it's and I'm used to fantasizing your faces when I'm speaking because I don't see them and now I can actually see you. I can look into the screen and see a few a few of these faces. I was speaking to <clears throat> my sister on the phone a couple of days ago as we were checking in and uh, doing our usual activities and and care for each other and care for our, our mom and I asked her at the end of the conversation because she was saying uh, that she missed inquiry and I said well um, I'm looking forward to what, what should I talk about what what would you like me to uh, to speak on and she said well let me think about that and she wrote back very quickly because she was on a walk with a number of her friends and they were involved in doing some 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 rituals outside in the forest where they had room and and part of her text said we uh, the question is we want to 
reclaim our lives after the last year we've all lived through. Something about how do we reclaim our lives. And it came at a time when I just received an email from the Open Door Sangha in Madison, just beginning to talk about what we might focus on for the spring retreat there um, at the end of April. And one sentence from that email said, as we move globally toward a post-pandemic world with so many questions, we want to consider what the Dharma teaches in terms of our human capacity for contributing to ending suffering as we embrace the uncertainties of what's to come. This is a little larger version of the same kind of question. What's coming? And how do we meet it? And how does our practice um, support us, assist us? How does it guide us in this, this way? And I thought of a number of things <clears throat> because the, the question initially came from Kathy, at least in the way that questions normally come in inquiry. How do I, or how should I, or what, what do I, the, the question of some instrumental activity, which is not exactly what practice offers, um, but it's nevertheless the thing that we as humans want to know. And it, it reminds me of a key um, kind of a turning point between psychosocial problem solving, which is crucial and necessary, and what's behind or underpins all of that, which is our spiritual practice, and how they're pointed in a little bit different directions, but they, they interweave, of course. And that's the phrase that some of you have heard me use many times, which is that practice, spiritual practice, Buddhist practice, Zen practice, will not necessarily offer you new and better experiences. What it offers is a new relationship with all experience. Our practice offers us a new way to relate to whatever experience we're having, not new, better experiences. If I practice, I'm in it. Everything will turn out okay. No, if I practice deeply, everything will go like it goes. How am I going to relate to that? It's going to offer you a new relationship with all experiences. So it's a little bit different. But the reclaiming that was in that first request, how are we going to reclaim our lives? Of course, it's a, a really great question. But I think it opens us to a whole list of what I ended up, maybe it's a little cute, but it was kind of interesting, a whole bunch of R words, and you don't have to remember them. It's just as I began to think about it, like what's coming and what are we going to reclaim? I thought, well, there's the reclaiming. What do you want to call back? Like a hug, <laughs> connecting. And then there's not only reclaiming, but what are you relinquishing? Uh, what do we have to let go of? Something, some things for good. It's not, they're not going to come back. Um, what are we going to have to reinterpret? And it goes on and on. I, I don't, I'm not going to go through them, but what are we going to have to relearn? What's going to be restored? What do we have to revise or reinvent? What is it that we actually retain? Um, and then there are the functions of meeting all our reluctance. 
How many of you are reluctant in some ways to go back, to give up? And what are we rehearsing as we get ready? And what's going to be reawakened? And you could go on and on. There, it's a whole series of things we could practice, practice with. Not just reclaiming, relinquishing, reinterpreting, relearning, restoring, on and on. <clears throat> but there's a, another, I think, deep um, kind of question or reflection in all of this. And it's the question about practice in general, of course, is, is why, why do we have to attend all this as we, we think about what's coming? But you know, somewhere in the world right now, a lot of places, another child and another child and another child is being born who's going to ask us later about things that we don't even have the answer to yet. But we're going to have to have some response to account for our time on the earth. And through this pandemic and our negotiation of um, politics and cultural pain around things like racism and let alone the planet that we're going to um, have them inherit. These kids are being born or coming into their own, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to answer. And this is what awakening is designed to do. Uh, to give us a way to come forward and meet uh, the life we have now and to prepare the life that's to come and to understand the life that preceded us. Um, hopefully, you know, for the good. So when we ask this question, like, what's coming and how are we going to meet it? There are, um, it's like, what's on the horizon? When, when I'm sitting here, I happen to be looking out towards a, a beautiful valley, and then I can see the, the coast um, as I'm looking over the screen, you can tell. Uh, and the ocean and another island, I can see Lanai, and then the horizon. And I know that the horizon isn't an actual thing. I spoke about this in a retreat this week. It's, it's an illusion, as if the sky and the ocean come together and there's a line. But if I moved a few miles down, that would, that would move. What's on the horizon? What's on that edge and out in front of us? And I'm going to back up a second because the, the Buddhist peacemaker order gives us three tenets for how, having to meet these things. Um, it says, if we're going to practice well, if we're going to orient ourselves well, then we can think about three things that are would, would they're like guiding us. They're like GPS. Start with beginner's mind or not knowing. As we face what's happening post-pandemic, like we don't really know. And every time we think we know, we limit what's possible. So start with opening to beginner's mind, not stupidity, not ignorance, just openness. 
so that we can do number two, which is bear witness very deeply. Pay attention. Pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And pay attention not as best we can, not so much through the filters of our preferences and our fears, those will come, and we'll pay attention to that, as well as information we're getting, watching how our relationships unfold, what seems to be wholesome. So open to beginner's mind, not knowing, bear witness, pay close attention, and then compassionate action can come from that. Those three tenets are essential as we ask this question, what's, what's coming and how should we meet it? Beginner's mind, not knowing, bearing witness, paying attention, and then compassionate action. In our, our practice, we began to, hopefully, as we wake up to what practice offers us, we began to experience our interconnection and interpenetrating relationships with, with everything, with all beings, with all being, with the earth. In fact, that's, it's interesting how the coronavirus has reminded us that we're all connected. That if we, human beings, are the host to something, there's no place it doesn't go. There's no person it doesn't touch. And in this case, because it's dangerous, we attempt to limit that, but we limit it because we know we're interconnected, because there's no separation. And so our understanding of our interconnection and interpenetrating relationships is the foundation, actually, for the greatest peace and healing real joy, moments of happiness. We realize this interconnection. And then we have the challenges that come, uh, our shared challenges of how to be in the world. And those things take on, even the ordinary things every day, take on much more meaning. It's much more fulfilling when we feel this universal connection with the totality of everything. Uh, just like there are times when we all uh, come together for a common cause, it, even ordinary difficult things have a buoyancy and a vibrancy and an inspiration because we're, we're doing something together that has meaning. We're all in this together. And so our practice helps us wake up to the actualization, the expression, the living of this full presence of the moment. Whatever's coming. Whatever's coming. I was reminded recently, um, someone brought this quote, which I, I'd heard many times, and some of you have, where Suzuki Roshi uh, said, Strictly speaking, there are no enlightened people. There's only enlightened activity. It's our shared activity that expresses our awakening. And then he said, what we're speaking of is moment-to-moment -moment enlightenment, one enlightenment after another. And I, I, I reframed his beautiful uh, statement to, because I'm a little 
funny about the word enlightenment. I, I put awakening because it includes maybe even the shadowy sides of things. So if you say, strictly speaking, there are no people who are awake. There are only people engaged in wakeful activity, awakened activity, awakened behaviors. So there, what we're speaking of is moment-to-moment awakening. Don't you feel that? Like you get, kind of wake up a little and you go back to sleep. You wake up, you go back to sleep. It's not constant. One moment of awakening after another. If we allow ourselves to be intimate with beginner's mind and bearing witness, intimate with all things, like I've spoken about, which guides us to some compassionate action. That's an appropriate response. What in our previous retreat I was just talking about is appreciating everything fully and contributing back. So we become uh, like um, more virtuosos, <laughs> an improvisational way of appreciating and contributing, appreciating and contributing, meeting each situation without too much obstruction. So as we let go of the kind of tightness and rigidity and narrowness of attention, and that tightness and rigidity and narrowness comes from our habits, what you're fearful of, what you want to protect, all, all that. And our practice helps us begin to open and soften, to be as clear as possible and as boundless as possible, so that our practice helps us realize more intimacy and appreciation of each thing and it calls us forward to this contribution of generosity and more appropriate response. And this is what awakening looks like with real people as we face what's to come. And <clears throat> I think it's worth just mentioning these three horizons, these three boundaries, these three elements that um, I've spoken about many times and did recently in this uh, retreat of relevance, responsibility, and readiness. I have more R words for you. Um, since then, horizon is a fiction, it's, it's an apparent illusion. One of the apparent illusions that we lived with is the horizon for relevance. What's relevant to me and what's not relevant to me. But when we begin to understand our interdependence and our interpenetrating relationships, we realize everything is relevant. It's not, it's not like a good idea to wear a mask here and not there. It's always a good idea. It's always relevant. So relinquishing our horizons for relevance erases these boundaries and it changes the meaning of things and our customary relationships with them. It frees things up to actually mean more than they have ever meant before. And it deepens our partnership and intimacy with everything. When we realize, oh, everything is relevant. Everything is worth paying attention to. Everything makes an impact. And when we compassionately refuse to turn away from things and people and silence things and people. When we compassionately refuse 
to turn away or to silence and refuse to pick and choose experiences according to just our self-centered likes and dislikes, the world opens up in a very different way when we relinquish this horizon for relevance. It naturally opens the next one, which is for responsibility. If everything is interdependent, that means everything is meaningfully related, which I've just been talking about. Everything's in constant relationship with our own hearts and minds. So there's this uh, sometimes kind of a, like a silent bond that we begin to realize we're all one family. I was just reading something the other day from the Hindu Upanishads, and I love this image. It said, there's a passage that speaks of how those who become wise lose their name to the, in capital, the great oneness, the way rivers lose their names when they flow into the sea. Isn't that a great image? It's this transformation from the solitary to the communal. And there's a mysterious kind of uh, physics that each generation has to, um, and we're doing now, having to relearn regarding what's possible when we work together. Time and again, generation after generation, we're asked to discover through love and through suffering that at the heart we're the same. So this is responsibility. It's, it's, it's all up to us and we're all in it together. Everything is relevant and we have a responsibility to the whole. The third horizon is for readiness. What are you ready for? Are you ready for this thing to end? What does it mean to end? If we hold back and constrict ourselves because we're frightened of the world and frightened of things, and I mean unnecessarily constricted, but as we relinquish our readiness and we feel our willingness and our aspiration to move forward, for the benefit of all beings, then that frees up a bunch of energy that we were holding. And so we offer back and yield up all this energy that we bound up in our habitual maintenance of our individual self and the idea about other people and our likes and dislikes. There are things, you can feel it as political things changes. There's ease and there's contraction. We bind up these energies. And the release of this energy, we're ready to, um, to realize that we can utilize. And that's, that's the place of awakening. <clears throat> and letting go of our restrictions or horizons for readiness kind of opens up for realization. We're ready for things. We can be responsible for things. Everything is relevant. 
So we're relinquishing our horizons for awakening. And this goal or path we set up for ourselves can be, um, you know, it can be blocked by circumstances, and we've felt that very, very much during this pandemic. But, 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 nothing can stop us from facing in the proper direction, even if we're blocked by circumstances. And this is what practice does. It doesn't fix all the problems. It doesn't help us leap over every element. It says, if we're not too caught up, we can keep facing in the same direction together. And that's our practice. It's not a prescription for precisely what to do. Because you have to be improvisational. Or how to solve the unending problems that occur. You have to have some virtuosity in that. By, but by continually relinquishing as they arise, all these horizons for relevance and responsibility and readiness, then we live like bodhisattvas. We demonstrate our unlimited human willingness and skill for creating new and truly liberating relationships with everyone and everything. And only by doing so do we help ourselves move into a position of experiencing the, the kind of resistance of things and ourselves and each other to awakening. Well, what's in the way? What are the barriers? And letting go of our fixed views and softening the ways we cling to these apparent horizons, then we find ourselves moving naturally in the direction of expressing, appreciating and contributing, appreciating and contributing, receiving what comes, responding with care. We don't know what's going to come, but we have to pay attention and then respond with care, with an open beginner's mind and bearing witness and then see what comes up. Because after all, what we're describing is actually our Buddha nature expressing itself. That's our Buddha nature expressing itself. So I would, I would assume probably that... <clears throat> These are the same sorts of things that, some sort of questions that you've been asking. And hopefully this helps you think about or reflect on what it's like to not necessarily solve uh, problems and get a new solution, but help us stay in a direction, a wholehearted direction. And to revise our meaning of, of things and have a new relationship with experience, not just like a new, better, I've got it solved resolution of things. I wish I could offer that, but I can't. That, that's not what practice offers us. So if there's some of the things that have come up that you think you'd like to address regarding this, please do. And as you see all these many, many faces and all these beautiful people all over the world, um, I'd love to, to hear from some of you, especially people who haven't come forward before. Take a chance, you know. Relinquish your horizon for readiness. Relevance, responsibility. <laughs> Just come up and visit a bit. We'll see what happens. And if you raise your hand, um, you can click the little hand raising thing, or and then <clears throat> Jessica or Kim will notice who's there and will connect us, zoom us together.
I see Tony's hand raised. Yeah, I think if you look down at the little smiley face with the plus, it says reactions down at the bottom of your screen or somewhere on your screen. There's a place where you can raise your hand and then they'll notice who you are. And looks like Tony is up front. Good to see you. Good to see Hi, everyone. Tony. You don't have your cap on. I know, I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm taking a chance or what I'm coming, I'm meeting. <laughs> Naked, no cap. <laughs> oh gosh, well, uh, so much of what you're saying is, is resonating with me really a lot right now. Um, because I just found out yesterday, I, I have an incredible opportunity. It's beyond a job, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity. It's kind of like a mission. And, uh, wow. I've been, yeah, I've been really nervous about taking it and, you know, and even trying for it and saying, maybe there's someone better, you know, but I, but I pushed and I just, um, a lot of this idea of just showing up, you know, just showing up. And um, that's all I'm gonna go with, you know, as I move toward it. But um, well, you mentioned it's that this, this is on the horizon that you might have this opportunity. And sure enough, it's come through, huh? Yeah, 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 it's come and through. Now, oops, you got what you asked for. I know, I know, I it's I, yeah, it's scary. It's a little bit scary. Um, and, um, what brings yeah. you forward today as you announce this? Gratitude, real gratitude for this huh. group, this group, because, um, you know, I found you back in like August, I think, and, uh, started coming again. And um, just uh, reminding me of, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so damaged. I'm not so bad. I can show up, and um, you know, I'm, I'm just one of among all of us. You know. And as you say that, it looks like it's touching in some way. It's very touching. Yeah. yeah. Look at the faces. Can you see a bunch of faces? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so um, I'm going to, I'm going to make a question, but you say it, they'll hear me say it, but don't worry about that. You, you say the question I'm going to ask and see what happens when you just look on the screen. Okay. Okay. Here's the question I want you to ask. Okay. Are, are all you guys behind me in this? Okay. Uh, are all you guys behind me in this? <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Even I though know. you know what's going to happen and you know the question. <laughs> but it, it matters, doesn't it? Yeah, it really, it really, it's, it's, it's wonderful to um, kind of take the reins of my life, you know, and not just uh, float down a river. And I mean, I'm doing that too, you know, but it's, it's nice to, to try and to, and to reach and to, um, well, it's one of the foundations, actually, of practice, which is a firm decision that I will take care of myself and be responsible for my life, no matter what happens. No matter what the circumstances, I will be responsible for my life and I'll take care of my right. life. Right, 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 right. And I can let that go at times. And I, it's been great to bring it back because I think with all we've all gone through, it's easy to just 
disintegrate into despair, you know? That's part of the reclaiming. That's one of the words, to reclaim and to restore and to remember. Yes. Yes. So here we are. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Let us know how it goes. I'll keep you, I'll keep you up to date. Good. Thanks, Tony. I see Shad's hand up next. Well, Shad, we have to unmute her. There we go. It's so good to see you. Well, it's, it's wonderful to see so many people. I know. It makes a difference. It's kind of it? like, I thought this was going to be a webinar, so I must admit, I didn't think I was going to have to have to take part. I could just sort of be here and be an audience, but your uh, talk, um, of course, it's, you know, it's touched me, like everything you say always touches me. Um, and when you started off with saying, what are we going to reclaim and what do we have to let go of and what are we going to relinquish? What are we going to revise, retain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of think, oh, there's a lot of work here. Oh, right, there's a lot to do. And then suddenly it kind of came to me. It's nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to be retained. Nothing's going to be let go of. Nothing's going to be relinquished because everything still continues. That's right. It's life as it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just life as it is. Absolutely. It's just life. Yeah. And it's also extremely good to have a reminder to keep coming back to beginner's mind, to keep paying attention and to keep on keeping on with one compassionate action after another. Mm -hmm. As best we can, stumbling along. As best we can. So I kind of went around in this this delightful um, loop. You know, there's this lovely circle, mm -hmm. sometimes done with a great big brush, and that's it. Well, I'm going to ask, uh, are you at home there on Everton Road? Yes. Do you see Gwen ever? Every morning. We've been walking her dog, new Which dog. I know I haven't seen it. So I, I know this is personal, but would you give Gwen my love? Of course. Absolutely. So then you can enact some of this, okay? Yes, totally. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. And Thank she, you, she, But she's always speaking of the walks that you've had in the Pennines and the places she's taken you. Oh, so she yeah, loves yeah. to hear about you. So You're going to make me cry now. So, okay. Oh, well, we can all we can all be interconnected in that absolutely thank you very much thank you right. and shad lives down the street and is a, a good practitioner in our sangha there in sheffield um and gwen is the person that i've uh, stayed with in her sort of home bnb &B for God, 13, 15 years more i don't know almost 20 years it seems Hello, Bets. Hi. 
How are you? How is everybody? <laughs> They're all there ready, waiting for you. That's so good to be here. Now I have my window cracked. We have a beautiful day here in the Northeast, which has been so bitterly cold. Yeah, recently. yeah. Where are you exactly? Uh, Pound Ridge, New York. Okay. Mm -hmm. 40 miles outside of the city, but a very, you know, five acre zoning. So very, um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like using the word isolated because for me, you I'm, have space. I'm in the middle of nature. Yeah. Good. Um, and hearing the birds and knowing that you're at the hui and hearing the birds outside my window, I just got this wonderful feeling of, of everything being all now in one circle. It was, wow. it was just so sweet. And seeing the faces helps that too, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Absolutely. But, you know, I love today's inquiry. It's it's really shifted, you know, my uh, pattern of my recent pattern of thought, which is everybody is feeling the pandemic blues. Everybody is, you know, looking at at things changing. Um, everyone's kind of hitting a wall, and the changes to their personality as a result of either isolation or rules or no paycheck or whatever are really at full full blown. <clears throat> and I've had a lot of compassion for the people who are being pulled down by it. Mm -hmm. And this just gave me such a different focus to a shift in thinking, you know, what is it that I'm taking from this? You know, um, besides well, that's, actually, that's actually what practice does. It just shifts our perspective. Just to, yeah, just to Life goes on. What, what have I learned this year? You know, I came into this as the pandemic being the greatest gift in the world because I was a person who would run around with my pants on fire saying, stop the world, I want to get off. Oh, the and world. Did. And I got off. <laughs> you know, but I've just had so much opportunity for reflection and and compassion and um, discovery. You know, and now what do I do with that? How do I bring that forward? Um, what do I, how do I continue that as the calamity of the noise and sound and everything starts back in again? That's exactly. If you feel like there are things that you want to make sure you don't lose. Yeah. Then yeah. It's important to, to pay attention yeah. to those. Yeah. What have you learned and what can you carry forward? What's the gift? Yeah. How do I learn to maintain? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. It's good to hear from Everyone. you. Everyone. <laughs> yes. And by the way, if, if you, all of you, if you put your uh, Zoom on speaker view, you'll see me and the person I'm talking to kind of highlighted. You see some of the other faces, but it'll give you a more intimate view as we speak, if, you, if you'd like to do that. So just ch uh, change the speaker view. I saw Ed's hand next, so I'm going to spotlight Ed next. To quickly yeah. unmute. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have we All met before? Together. Uh, in this context, uh, a few times, but not in person in Austin. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know specifically how to relate this to today's uh, teaching, mm -hmm. but you, your teachings have been very helpful to me this last week. On Thursday, I was accused of malfeasance and I had these inner demons saying, oh my gosh, how do I prove myself innocent? And who would have the audacity to, you know, question my squeaky queen reputation? And, um, got to observe that, that was handy. Um, then the quick list of all my um, malfeasances that I already knew about <laughs> swept in the book space. And the next two days, uh, the same person that um, said, aren't you out of bounds in this area? And I said, no, um, I clearly am not. And that's okay that somebody accused me. Um, said, urgent, urgent, I need your help, do this thing. And so in 30 seconds, I make a fix. And then I'm accused of doing the wrong thing based on the communication not being clear. And it goes this way for about three days before I suddenly realize it's not just me in this communication. There is someone else that is frightened and reactive. And But my pleasing side immediately assumed that any authority or any other was all reality and I was going to react to all reality with my best effort to make things right. Mm -hmm. Three days into it, this picture came back of uh, the most courageous uh, consideration I've seen was on January 6th when uh, you simply brought yourself and that was enough um, and any more was hard to find in the moment. And that came back to me that if I didn't demand of myself to be more than myself in any of these moments, the knots and the tapestry and the confusion, miscommunication could possibly untangle. Mm -hmm. um, Not adding instead more. Instead of adding more, trying to straighten it out, trying to fix it. And I really appreciate that this practice of um, mostly simply breathing, uh, sitting twice a day, and hearing one another's um, experience through the lens of this teaching. Mm -hmm. it's, it's enough. It's enough in any particular moment. Yeah. And you know why I, you've heard me say that in instruction that I often give is how, how simple are you willing to let this be? Uh, that relinquishment isn't giving up a bunch of stuff. It's just realizing it all goes away if we stop stirring. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you, Ed, and thank you. I hope things go well. Um, I like your signal in the back there where it says remember. <clears throat> Hello, John. I didn't realize that I'd be up so quick. I've been chewing on a, a protein bar. Oh. I've been chewing a little bit. That's what that's about. Nourishing yourself. Well, um, I'm one of those people who I don't want to go back. I, I want to stay here in my condo by myself. I'm being an introvert. I like that a lot. You I'm can do that. Bad. You can stay in your condo. Yeah. And, and I've done that for uh, uh, stayed at home most of the time. On the other hand, I 
as a single guy I want to date. And uh, you also might want to be with those grandkids behind you. Yes. Um, yeah. In fact, I'm lucky in that way because uh, my son, who's their father, has us all get on Zoom once a week so he can see the family that's up in Minnesota, among other family members. Yeah. Um, so I got one you to date. I'm in a meetup group. We have a meeting every every other week, and we call it dating at our age. And uh, so we uh, share perspectives on that. And one thing that a lot of the women have mentioned is it doesn't bothers them that uh, men aren't willing to be vulnerable. So they provided a link to a 20 minute TED talk, uh, somebody who's an expert in this, a social worker, PhD in social work, and. Uh, she ended up saying that uh, vulnerability is a willingness to be seen. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that that is part of what we're talking about here as we you know, come back and make connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a willingness to be seen and the willingness to see. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. To look deeply and really see what's going on. That's the bearing witness. But the other side of it is the willingness to be seen, which is in the intimacy that mm -hmm. we're talking about. And so intimacy is the foundation of our practice in a way. And, and another word for awakening, really. Intimacy mm -hmm. in which we can appreciate the world and offer ourselves back, back and forth. And sometimes that shows up in human relationships like you're talking about. And we get to choose how those things go. You can be introverted and be wholehearted and loving and caring, and you can be extroverted. It just shows up differently, that's all. It's just a different, different song. Different verse of the same song, maybe. Mm, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hi, Clayton. Hi, Clint. Um, it's good to see y'all, everyone. It's amazing. I literally like this new format. Um, I just that the, what you said about rivers lose their names as they flow into the sea was really beautiful. Um, and it made me, I'm just so grateful because I, as I step back into life and think about what I want to retain, I realized that I'm, I had a period there where who I thought I was fell apart pretty significantly during all this. And because of physical and mental breakdowns because of my six month COVID battle. And now it's picking up pace and I'm busy and I uh, feel strong again. And I feel a very big ego taking over again. And I've forgotten what it was like to have things kind of dissolve a little bit. So I'm a little, I'm happy. I feel great. I wouldn't want to go back to the way I felt before. I just don't want to, I want to, I don't want to lose some of what I experienced. And I, I'm not exactly sure how to not let my big, strong ego step in again. Well, you're, you're doing the first thing, which is you're noticing that it's happening. And you're telling a universal, consistent story about practice. That the freedom 
that we're seeking isn't the establishment of some new solid identity. It's the relinquishment and letting go of almost all identities so that we're free. This, uh, I, had, I remember having lunch one day, I think we're at Z Tejas <laughs> in Austin, <laughs> uh, with a friend of mine who, a very, very, very dear friend, long time friend who had um, kidney cancer. And at the time we were having lunch, it was like a year or two following his diagnosis and surgery. And he said, when he was diagnosed and had his surgery, he was suddenly catapulted into a spacious, tender, open-hearted, beautiful place. Yes, there's fear. Yes, there was all the things that happened. But it was so startlingly freeing and he found himself in a place that he'd actually longed for. And over the last, the ensuing two years, as he had healed and started to put himself back together in his ordinary way, he felt a deep grief of what he was missing. As he came back to what people would normally consider healthy and happy and reestablished because all the habit patterns came back and the identities. And it's not a different story than the one you're telling. Um, and so we, we talked about how practice is precisely. Oh, ow, ow. Oh. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> practice is precisely the um, intentional um, release of those things that sometimes um, tra tragedies or difficulties or challenges um, disassemble and gives us a glimpse of what it's like to be free and hopefully we don't have to have a terrible illness or something to do that but it does, does show us what's possible I mean my whole entry into this came because I worked with cancer patients for years and they started showing me what, what this was um, and I was young and I wanted to know about that. It was the same time when um, AIDS came on on the scene and people my age started to die. And it was a whole different perspective. What, what if you can't hold on to anything? And I realized, oh, there's this thing about impermanence and interdependence and, and dukkha and the beautiful joy and freedom that can come by following that path to a place of freedom, not to a path of despair. Um, so I'm not saying anything you haven't heard a million times, but we need to hear it a million times. <laughs> um, because like Harry, when we're saying, ow, oh, oh no, you know, what's going to be on the other side, you know? Yes. And I do need to hear it a million times. And I do want to make sure I don't lose some of those kind of really sweet moments where I was pissed off that I was getting jostled along and losing my, what was it, losing my name. Yes. But I was, um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to lose that experience totally. And I'm not really sure how to hold on to it, but. Well, once, um, you know, listening to the birds, 
There's a Mary Oliver poem called Such Singing in the Wild Branches, which I read during the retreat as we were listening to the Shama Thrush. And there's a line that says, one thing that wise people say is that once you've been there, you're there forever. It's a line from that poem. Maybe. So it you haven't lost it, but you may forget it. And that's all that practice is about is remembering. That's what sati, the word we translate as mindfulness, means. Remembering. Remembering. Yeah. Remembering. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. And I see that we're at the end of our time. I know our fraud had her hand up. Oh, right there at the end. We'll have another chance, I hope. But we have to respect our time. Um, and we'll repeat the four practice principles, which are precisely all the, all these teachings are reflecting today. Um, so I hope you'll enjoy doing that with me just for a moment. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Another added benefit of this is I get to see your mouths moving, so I know that you're chanting with me. (laughs) That's really lovely. So I think Jessica um, or Kim might um, come on with a little reminder. Thank you so much. Thank you, Flint. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Appamata's programs are supported by your generosity and everything that you do makes such a difference. You can make a contribution on the website at appamata.org. We're also wanting to make an announcement. Um, So I'm just going to read this uh, really quickly. We are dedicating the month of March to an inquiry into how Appamata can best support you in this endeavor. Please, uh, sorry, this endeavor meaning uh, your life of practice. Please take a moment to consider what would support your practice at this time and let us know what that is by going to the lowest left-hand corner on every page of the Appamata website and click on contact us to enter your practice needs. So basically you'll just get a little form under the contact button and in the form field, you can place uh, your thoughts on what you might need and how Appamata can best support you in your practice. Uh, In the subject, you might put something like Appamata support or something like that. And we'll be collecting these responses uh, throughout all of March. So please feel free to go onto the website and look at the bottom left of any single page and look for that contact us link. Uh, 